0: Good afternoon. So this afternoon in our uh, metta practice, I have quite a few things to cover actually. And we are going to be extending the, um, the field of our love, the field of our kindness, uh, two categories of beings and you may have noticed that already we've gone we've we've covered uh, three categories the first is the being who is most dear ourselves and as uh, as we said the Buddha said you can as Bhante said you can travel the entire world and never find another being more deserving of your love than you yourself. So we start with ourself and then we move to a benefactor and then a dear friend, which Joseph did yesterday. And so if you, if you reflect on it, what you'll notice is that um, we, are, we are expanding and rolling out the, uh, the meta-practice, towards categories of beings who theoretically are um, a little bit more difficult, a little bit more difficult as we go along to extend our loving kindness to. Because this is a cultivation practice. It's a practice of uh, development. So, um, So that's the theory behind it that you start with yourself, which is easy. Then your benefactor is a little bit more difficult. Then a dear friend is a little bit more difficult. And then today we're going to go to uh, what is called a neutral person and then a difficult person. So I want to say a couple of things about those categories. And then we'll talk a little bit about forgiveness and then move on to actually doing the practice. And I hope that I can do that all in the hour that we have. So the um, the neutral person is essentially um, a person who we may see in our lives. The postman, the dry cleaner, the grocer, someone who may um, uh, Work in your office. Maybe somebody, uh, uh, somebody that you pass on the street every day, and you see them, but they're somewhat—they're very neutral to you. They're, you're neither attracted to them nor repulsed by them. So there's there's no charge, and so there's a neutrality in how you in how you meet them, and so the um, so we're we're moving into a little bit more difficult areas from the benefactor and the friend. Uh, I love this story. About how we can love, our love can begin in the smallest of ways. During my second month of nursing school, our professor gave us a pop quiz I was a conscientious student and had breezed through the questions until I read the last one. What is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? Surely this was some kind of joke. I had seen the cleaning woman several times. She was tall, dark-haired, a woman in her 50s, but how would I know her name? I handed in my paper, leaving the last question blank. Before class ended, one student asked if the last question would count toward our quiz quiz grade. Absolutely, said the professor. In your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. I have never forgotten that lesson. I also learned her name was Dorothy so many people that come across our paths that we, sort of, they're invisible to us. And I think that we as people of color have certainly experienced that from time to time, I say in a kind of tongue-in-cheek way. Right? So that's the neutral person, uh, the difficult person, in the text, they're known as the enemy, but we don't want to go that far. <laughs> there, so it's been kind of um, sanitized in our lingo to the difficult person. And uh, what we recommend is in the beginning, as you're sort of getting your meta-muscles, is that you choose somebody who is mildly irritating rather than like your deepest, worst enemy, right? You know, because what we're doing is we're building, we're building the muscle for loving kindness so we don't have to like tackle, you know, our biggest problem right away. We'll, we'll kind of sneak up to that. Now, what I want to tell you about is that the meta practice of uh, sending good wishes is outlined in a in a text called the Visuddhimagga, and the, the Visuddhimagga the translation of that is the Path of Purification. It was written by um, a monk called Buddhagosa in the sixth century, which is about 500 years after uh, the Buddha's time. And he, I have been, I studied metta for a long time in terms of practice, and then I wanted to go and see what the text was like. And I was really startled to, um, to read this, uh, a sentence in it that said, before you do metta practice, what you should do is sit down and review the dangers and hatred and the benefits of patience. And that really struck me right in my heart because I understood that this practice of loving kindness is really a practice of patience. And I was really so happy to, um, to, to, to learn that because I felt that if I could, if I really, there were so many opportunities in my life, I'm not the most patient person, right? I ha- or, well, I wasn't. Let's put it that way. I didn't used to be the most patient person. Um, but that's changed because I did metta practice for a year. That's all I did. I didn't do um, uh, vipassana practice. For, I, I let go of vipassana practice for a year and did metta practice. And when I encountered this piece of advice from uh, Buddhaghosa, I was really delighted and happy because. Not only could I do the, the practice of sending goodwill, but I could also, in so many situations in my life, begin to learn how to be patient in traffic jams, waiting online, waiting with that annoying music on the telephone when I have to wait to speak to a real human being. Um, all of those little places of irritation and agitation were trans- began to become transformed in my life, so there were all of these opportunities that I was never taking to uh, to practice kindness, to practice loving kindness, really towards myself, because the irritation and the agitation doesn't bother the voice on the phone. It really was about you know how it what it did to my own inner being. So. I, I offer you that because I think that uh, reviewing the dangers and hatred and the benefits of patience is a really beautiful practice to do. And I, I remember it and reflect on it every time before I do uh, my metta practice. So, I know when we do the difficult person, when we send metta to the difficult person, um, that sometimes there is a, uh, an obstacle to that, which is that we may have been harmed, hurt, abandoned, abused, and forgiveness may seem like it's completely out of the question. But unless we find some way to forgive, And by forgiveness, I don't mean um, condoning acts of harm or in any way joining with them. But forgiveness is not about the other person's behavior. It really is about our relationship with the past. Not so much about the the acts of harm done by the perpetrator. And my teacher always says, that forgiveness is giving up up all hope of a better past. And the Buddha said, if it were not possible to free the heart from entanglement in greed, in hatred, and in delusion, I would not ask you to do so. So this is um, a way of beginning to let go of the hatred that may have arisen in our hearts. And I know that we sometimes use the word aversion. I like to use the word hatred because when I check it out, when I have that kind of agitation or ill will towards somebody, it feels to me like (laughs) hatred. And I think that if we can call it what it is, then there's no excuse to not work on it. So you'll hear me calling it hatred You'll hear other people calling it aversion, which of course is are different aspects of it. Um, but hatred may, may land kind of hard, but I, I think that it's helpful to really see that that's what's, um, that's what's up. So I want to tell you about um, a monk called Maha Gosananda, who was uh, known as the Gandhi of Cambodia. He was uh, also known as the abbot of all of the Cambodian um, Buddhist monastery. And as you know, there was a great killing field in uh, Cambodia. And in the early 90s, uh, well after the signing of the peace accords to end that civil war between the remnants of the uh, Khmer Rouge and the new Vietnamese-backed Cambodian government, he found war still raging. And this is from uh, his obituary in um, in 2007, when he died at age 78, and this, believe it or not, his uh, obituary was in The Economist. So it says, Shell's as he did, uh, he led these Dhamma yatras or pilgrimages of truth in the early 90s, and he often found war still raging. Shells screamed over the walkers, and firefights broke out round them. Some were killed; the more timid ran home. But Gosananda had chosen his routes deliberately to pass through areas of conflict. Sometimes the walkers found themselves caught up in long lines of refugees, footsore like them, trudging alongside ox carts and bicycles piled high with mattresses and pans and live chickens. He said, we must find the courage to leave our temples and enter the suffering-filled temples of human experience. He would then go through um, the 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 camps, and what he would recite were the Buddha's words that essentially said, hatred never ceases by hatred, but by love alone is healed. That is the eternal law. And he would, he would recite this throughout all of the refugee camps, and he would go into um, the, the places where there were hundreds and thousands of people who were refugees, and he founded more than 50 temples across the world. And he, he was often um, threatened by the new government, and they said that if he built these temples that he would be killed, and nevertheless he would build them because he knew that forgiveness was what would keep his community together. And he would build them, and, he, and they would threaten that if he built them, they would kill him, and that, that if people came, that they would disrupt the, the openings and they would, the people would be killed. And nevertheless, he would go through these places reciting, hatred never ceases by hatred, but by love alone is healed. That is the eternal law. And each time, they didn't know how it happened, but thousands of people would come each time he founded a temple. And in The Economist, it says, um, it was, each of these temples was to, he, was, he would appear bird-like out of the Cambodian forest to surprise a man digging or a woman wash, washing, to remind them that the power of love was stronger than the forces of history, and then to move on. He couldn't stay out of the world, so he would, he would hand out dog aired photocopies of the Metta Sutta, saying with a boundless heart, one should cherish all living beings, radiating love over the entire world Spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, now this is someone whose family was completely decimated, and whose um, all of the monks in his temples in his temple were killed, so and his whole family uh, was gone. So I love this example of Mahagosananda because if he can forgive that kind of devastation and that kind of difficulty then it makes it easy for me when I reflect on him and think about him to forgive the small agitations and the small offenses to which I may be subject from my fellow human beings. And of course we also have the example of Martin Luther King who um, needs no introduction and he said hate is too great a burden to bear. Somehow we must be able to stand up before our our most bitter opponents and say we shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We will meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will and we will still love you bomb our homes and threaten our children, and as difficult as it is, we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at the midnight hour and drag us out on some wayside road and leave us half dead as you beat us and we will still love you. Send your propaganda agents around the country and make it appear that we are not fit culturally and otherwise for integration but we will still love you. But be assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer, and one day we will win our freedom. We will not only win freedom for ourselves, we will so appeal to your heart and conscience that we will win you in the process, and our victory will be a double victory. He said, you love all men not because you like them, not because their ways appeal to you, but you love them because God loves them. This is what Jesus meant when he said, love your enemies. And I'm happy, he said, that he didn't say, like your enemies. (laughs) Because there are some people that I find pretty difficult to like. So, as I said, forgiveness is not about the perpetrator of the offense, really about your own heart. I think it's Bhante who quoted Joseph, but I think Joseph was quoting the Buddha when he said that anger was like a hot coal that you picked up in your hand and to throw it at your enemy and your enemy ducks, but your hand is burned. And that's the same thing that we have um, with, our own, with, with our own hatred, that our hatred does not, uh, it doesn't burn the person that you hate, but it actually burns your own heart. And any uh, act of violence, and violence by violence, I don't mean um, necessarily only physical violence, but certainly psychological violence. Any violence that we um, undertake harms us in the end. And again Martin Luther King says the ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil it multiplies it. Through violence you may murder the liar but you cannot murder the lie nor establish the truth. Through violence, you murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So this practice of metta, this practice of loving-kindness, of love is enhanced by the practice of forgiveness. It allows us to rest in a wise and peaceful heart. And in any moment, in every moment, we can learn to let go of fear and rest in peace through forgiveness. We need to uh, cultivate forgiveness and strengthen compassion. And this ability to forgive allows us to meet our own suffering and the suffering of others uh, with a kind heart. When we're lacking in forgiveness and in kindness, we're uh, subject to individual and social tendencies towards narrow self-concern and prejudice. And as people of color, we certainly know what that feels like to be on the receiving end. So what will it be? Will we hold on to the hatred, or will we stop the descending spiral? Will we allow our hearts to open in a way that allows love to enter? And we can't do that if we're holding on. Now, I was quoting again my teacher this morning to someone who, to to one of the interview groups or the meeting groups, where he said, with a very sort of meta uh, voice, Um, um, forgiveness is never putting another person out of your heart and another teacher a colleague of ours came up right behind him and said yes but you can put them out of your life right so what we're saying when we talk about forgiveness is not so much that you have to subject yourself more and more to abuse or to any kind of uh, offensive behavior, but that you recognize that while you're busy hating, the person you're hating is in Hawaii having a great time. (laughs) So who does it hurt? Who does it hurt? So we start the practice of uh, forgiveness uh, very simply. And what you can do is sit in a comfortable position. (laughs) And we start with forgiving ourselves. And it's a very simple practice of connecting with the heart. So allow your breath to connect with the heart, just the movement of the heart, the movement of the breath, and the beating of the heart moving together. And just have an image of yourself as a child, as you are right now, or felt sense of yourself as you sit here. And we do our forgiveness practice in three ways. First, we forgive ourselves. And then we forgive others. And then we ask their forgiveness. So you can have this picture of yourself in mind. And just repeat words such as the following. In the many ways that I've harmed myself, through words, thoughts, or deeds. I did so in ignorance, and I forgive myself completely now. Or if you feel you can't forgive yourself completely, to the extent that I am able, I forgive myself now. We have to start somewhere. So even if it's just a little drop, the Buddha said, drop by drop, a bucket gets filled. So sit with that feeling for a moment of completely forgiving yourself or forgiving yourself to the extent that you can for whatever harm you think you may have done to yourself. And if there is someone that you think you may have offended or hurt or harmed in even a small way, bring them to mind now. and See if you can get a full picture of them and place them in your heart center. And recite the same words in, the many way, in any way that I have harmed you, by thought, by word, or deed, I did so in ignorance. And I ask for your forgiveness now. I am truly sorry. And I ask for your forgiveness now. I am truly sorry and I ask for your forgiveness now. And stay with whatever feeling of regret And you can have a feeling of regret without guilt or shame. You may have regret or remorse. And again, for the third category, not necessarily bringing the biggest offender in your life into your heart, but perhaps someone who's offended you slightly. And taking this slowly step by step and drop by drop. Just feeling what it might feel like to forgive someone for some small offense. And you can bring that person into your heart center if you can, or you can... Keep them at a distance if that feels better. But bring them into your consciousness somehow. Perhaps a picture of them or how you la- how they were when you last saw them. In many ways that you have harmed me, you may have hurt me by words, by thought, or deed. To the extent that I can, I forgive you now. And it doesn't have to be a huge forgiveness or a large offense, but just enough to open the heart simply and kindly so that ill will can be cultivated there. It's hard, I'm sorry, goodwill can be cultivated there. It's not, it's hard to cultivate kindness with a heart of ill will. So we're opening the heart to this being who may have done whatever it was they did in ignorance or out of their own hatred or delusion or greed, the poisons of the heart and mind, which we all have in common. And so there is a measure of compassion that we can bring to their suffering as well as to ours. To the extent that I am able, I forgive you now. And see if you can feel any release in your heart. You don't have to make it happen. But if there is some release in the heart, notice it now. Notice what it feels like. And then moving to our metta practice. Letting go of the forgiveness practice. Just coming into our own hearts again. Having a felt sense of ourselves sitting here. Sending metta for a minute or so to ourselves. Whether you do so with the, on the level of the simple feeling of kindness and goodwill. Or using the phrases. Whatever phrases you have used for yourself such as, may I be safe from harm, may I be happy and peaceful, may I be healthy and strong, and may I live with ease. Have those wishes for yourself. And then moving to the neutral person. Choose that person. See if you can get a clear picture. Perhaps you can't, but get as clear a picture as you can of the person you've chosen as your neutral person. Maybe someone here that you've passed every day and haven't allowed to register at all. And sometimes it's helpful to put your hand on your heart just to feel a feeling of kindness and goodwill. And bring the neutral person up and send them your good wishes. May you be safe from harm, happy and peaceful, healthy and strong, and live with ease. Or simply feel the two of you joining in this feeling of goodwill and warmth. than allowing a difficult person to enter. And perhaps you want to say some phrases of forgiveness again to this person. And perhaps you want to even think about what it was that offended you, or harmed you, or hurt you. Not going over the story, but just the feeling of being hurt. Feeling misunderstood, or abandoned, or harmed in any way. Just what that felt sense is like. And perhaps you can say some more phrases of forgiveness. Ways that you have harmed or hurt me. I know that you did so in ignorance. Because, because how could anyone hurt another being except out of their own suffering and ignorance? And perhaps you think of the way they hurt you by words or thoughts or deed. And in, the, in your spirit of forgiveness, sending wishes of kindness. May you be peaceful and happy. May you be safe from harm. May you be healthy and strong and live with ease. then turn your metta, your goodwill, your wishes for well-being to the beings in this room, including yourself. May each and every one of us be safe from all harm and danger. May each and every one of us be happy and peaceful Really let the meanings of the words absorb into your mind and heart and body. May each and every one of us be healthy and strong of body. And may we live with ease, free from suffering and completely free. and sending your loving kindness out to the whole world. No one excluded, all beings included. May all beings be safe and protected from all harm and danger. May all beings everywhere be happy and peaceful. May all beings everywhere Be healthy and strong. May all beings everywhere live with ease. Be free from suffering and be completely free. And know that each time we do that we're not only the senders, but we're the recipients. And just imagine and know that around the world, at every moment, there is somebody saying metta and sending it towards you. There are people in temples. In meditation centers and retreat centers in their own homes all over the world 24 hours a day. Somebody somewhere is sending metta to all beings and that includes you. I'll close with the words of His Holiness the Dalai Lama. That hatred can be the greatest stumbling block to the development of compassion and happiness. If you can learn to develop patience and tolerance towards your enemies, then everything becomes much easier. Your compassion towards all others begins to flow naturally. Are there any questions? Yes, please. Uh, uh, hi. Good to see you again. Good to see you, too. Um, the first uh, quotation that you made, uh, could you kindly repeat that? Which one was it? It was the very first one. I don't remember. <laughs> I, you know, I, I get into my thing and I just, you know. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I, which, which one was it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you don't ask for much, do you? Okay. Um, was it the suffering one, the one about, from Martin Luther King? Oh, to, to review the dangers in hatred and the benefits or the advantages of patience. Yes, that's from the Basulimaga. Bis- Is that what you meant? Oh, good, it's a short one. Great. And what was the second one about that you wanted to hear? Um, it was, it kind of led into the second one, almost a similar uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember which one it was. Do you, do you? Oh, is it hatred never ceases by hatred, but by love alone is healed? That is the eternal law. Is that the one? Uh, I think it dealt more with uh, patience. Uh, it dealt more with Patients. Oh, it wasn't, I, I, think it wasn't a, I think it wasn't a quote. I think that was a quote from Gina Sharp. <laughs> which she doesn't remember, so you'll have to listen to the tape. <laughs> You're welcome. about not being able to stay open. Yeah. So I think it was Joseph who said, you know, we think that the, just like with the Vipassana practice, we think, you know, it's going to be really cool and it's going to be really, you know, we're going to get concentrated and everything's going to be great. Body's going to be this body of bliss and light. You know, da-da-da. Yeah. Same thing with metta, right? It feels like because we're opening our hearts to goodwill and to love and to kindness and all of those boundless states, you know. Because the metta is one of four brahmaviharas. the The reason the, the the reason they're called Brahma-viharas is the Buddha had many exchanges with the Brahmins of the day, right? The the people who were had a From the religion that he came from, and uh, he was always debating with them. And a Brahmin came to him and said, "Um, "You know what you teach is not great. You know it's it's kind of second class." And the Buddha said, "Why is that?" And he said, "Because you don't show a way to get to heaven, right? And in the afterlife." And and the Buddha said, "I'll tell you how to get to heaven, right? Abide in these states. Abide in loving kindness." Abide in compassion, abide in sympathetic joy, abide in equanimity. These are the divine abidings. And these, these, this is what will get you into your divine home, your divine abode. So when we hear that, and when we hear the, you know, the whole um, feeling of these these brahmaviharas, these divine abodes, is really so beautiful, and it's it's what we hope for. We hope our hearts will develop and open into these beautiful states, and we get flashes of it. And when we, you know, and I think, again, it was Joseph talking about, you know, what happens when we do these practices is sometimes the very opposite can come up, right? But it's not to blame ourselves or think something's gone wrong. As I said, this practice of r- the repeating phrases and the unfolding of different categories of people comes from the Vasudhimagga. It's a way, it, it was a, a way that was invented to work with the Buddha's teachings on, on loving kindness. Right? And it's from a book called The Path of Purification. So what happens in our practice? Purification, purity. Purification, purity. We love purity. We don't like purification so much, <laughs> right? It's difficult, right? But in order to move to purity, purification has to happen, right? So really, when, first of all, be really kind to yourself. So when you feel the heart closing, notice what that's like because you don't have to do anything to reopen it. You may have noticed. Just the noticing of how painful it is for the heart to close is enough for it to reopen. And it may take its own time. But it's not as if something's gone wrong, or you're a bad person, or a terrible person, or you know, you always knew you had a closed heart. No. Purification, purity. Purification, purity. So really bow to the periods of purification. Really bow to them And, and, and be present. Really be present, because they have a lot to teach you. In some ways, they have more to teach you than the periods of purity. Periods of purity have a lot to teach you, too. And yet, when we're going through the purification, there's a lot that we begin to see about how we landed there, how we landed there, and then we see how the, the, the journey out into purity. You're welcome. Yes? I find it difficult in my practice to wish happiness, peace, and kindness to people who seem to relish, and happiness, <laughs> who are doing harm to others. Who seem to relish. They have happiness and peacefulness when they're doing harm to others? So it seems. So it seems. Hmm. So you have so the question is that you're having difficulty sending um, sending loving kindness to people who have who seem to have happiness and peace in doing harm to others. Mm -hmm. So to really reflect on that, you know, when you've done harm to others, how has that felt for you? Have you felt really happy and peaceful? Hmm? So it's a universal, it's a universal condition, you know. We're, we're all human beings together. We're all these imperfect human beings. We're perfect in another way, but you know, in the absolute, we're perfect. On the relative level, on, you know, in this human body, we're not so perfect, right? Uh, but it's a, But we have a universality. We, we are in common with the whole human experience. So if you know that you're, when you're doing harm, it doesn't feel so great. right? And just reflect on how you, you project onto somebody else, perhaps, that it may be making them happy or peaceful. But it probably isn't. Because if it's not making you happy and peaceful, chances are it's not making them happy and peaceful, either. So to, to have some distinction between the story in the mind and reality is partly what happens in our practice. We start to understand what's a story and what's really true. Right? And again, for your own sake, for your own sake, do you want to live in hatred? Or do you want to be free? Because you are, when you're in hatred, you are bound to the object of your hate. You are enslaved and imprisoned with the object of your hate. That's what hatred does. So it's OK if right now it's not possible to free yourself from it. But the Buddha said if it was not if it was not possible maybe this is what you were talking about if it was not possible to free the heart from entanglement in greed hatred and delusion i would not ask you to do so so it's possible but we can do it step by step we don't have to like you know take a huge bite of anything in the beginning we can kind of you know snuggle up to it we can sidle up to it you know inch up to it and really you don't have to force yourself to do anything, right? Just keep reflecting and then seeing what's possible to put into practice now. And put that into practice, even if it may not be the, the whole enchilada, right? You can do a little bit, you can take a little bite right now and see what's possible for you. Because this is all building muscle in the in the brain as well as in the body and in the heart. Right, So we, we're, we're building, we're building, we're building. And we're always, um, the other saying of the Buddha is that uh, wherever you put the mind, that's where it will incline. So each time you have a thought of hatred, you, the mind gets deeper into hatred. And it encourages hatred from others towards you. Each time you have a thought of love, it buries the mind deeper in love. And it encourages love from others towards you. So it's up to you to decide how you want to live and where you want to live, right? Do you want to live here, or do you want to live here? And you don't have to think that you have to take a huge leap, but start the walk, start the journey. Yes, Luigi. And I guess I'm just confused by that response, why that would be present. Why fear is coming up as you do the forgiveness practice? Why do you think? I don't know. I guess it's just vulnerable making. I don't mm. that. Beautiful. Yeah. So there is this kind of vulnerability, right? Because we're opening ourselves to somebody we know has harmed us before, right? even if it's to our our own selves. So, again, it's not that you just kind of rip your heart open, rip your chest open and bare your heart. No, it's, it's beginning to see how it might be possible to work a little bit differently with what is happening in your life. And so this is good not only for other beings, but also for experience, right? How do I... Um, meet experience with a, love, with, a, with a friendly, gentle, kind attitude of goodwill. So each time we meet experience in that way, we're training the mind to meet beings as well as experience in that way because we're training the mind to be that way. So um, if, there's, if you're feeling fear you know, so you can stop, feel the fear, feel where that is in your body, feel where it is in your heart, feel what the story is in the mind, and you learn a lot from that. So um, I think it's, uh, Bhante last night talked about meeting things eye to eye, eye to, uh, um, what, what did you say? Bhante, meeting things, uh, woo! <laughs> meeting things eye to eye, face to face, right? Face to face. And another teacher of mine, um, Ajahn Sutito, talks about meeting your karma, eyeball to eyeball, right? You know, so, it's, so what we're training the mind and heart to do is to meet all experience in that way, you know, with a kind of courage And the the ability to meet whatever is there without turning away, right? Even if it's one's own suffering or someone else's suffering. So, but we don't have to do it in a violent way. That's a kind of oxymoron, right? We do it in a kind way. So, if we're feeling fear, to work with the fear, to not have to, you know, barrel through it, but work with the fear and see and. It was beautiful what you answered, that there was a vulnerability that's happening. And so with that kind of vulnerability, a little fear will come up or maybe a lot of fear. so but to know that you have the tools to work with that fear too, right? Because you have a you have a good practice, so you can you can use those tools to build courage and the ability to meet what is what is here. even when there's fear coming up. Thank you. So that's all we have time for this afternoon. And uh, Bhante, um, so it's time for walking, and Bhante will meet with you at, uh, at, with the uh, eight precept people at five o'clock. Yes, anything else you wanted at to five, say? Huh? At five? Yes, not four thirty. Not 4.30, at <laughs> five, it's 4.30 now. Okay, thank you so much for your practice. Thank you for your courage and your willingness to forgive and to uh, be kind. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.